Nearly everything we do and consume has a corresponding carbon footprint. The food we eat, the clothes we wear, the transportation we use, the apps we download, and even the charitable donations that we make have some kind of an impact on the amount of carbon dioxide we're emitting. When you put money into the economy, when you buy manufactured goods, or when you pay for a service, you're emitting carbon dioxide. When you plant a tree, you're absorbing it. I'm Sarah Edwards, and this is Talk Policy to Me. The average American household emits nearly 48 tons of carbon dioxide equivalent every year. To give you a sense of scale, imagine a massive balloon that's 10 yards in diameter. That balloon holds the volume of one ton of carbon dioxide. So that's 48 balloons per household, per year, in the U.S. alone. For some more local contacts, in Berkeley, the average household emits about 35 tons. And in Oakland, it's about 36. We all know the basic science of why this matters. Carbon dioxide is actually a crucial part of our atmosphere. But when we have it in excess, the layer gets thicker and it traps energy from the sun and it heats up the Earth's surface temperature which causes the natural disasters, the ecological degradation, the extreme weather events, and the corresponding health issues that climate scientists are talking about every single day. Here at Talk Policy to Me, our team wanted to better understand our own contribution to global carbon emissions. How many tons of carbon dioxide do Reem, Spencer, and I put out into the world? To find out, we turned to the Cool Climate Calculator, which is an online tool that estimates your personal carbon footprint. So it told each of us the annual tons of CO2 that we're responsible for. It takes information about our lifestyles, our diet, our modes of transportation, our homes, our neighborhoods, and our consumptions to come up with this estimate. Reem sat down with one of the creators of the calculator, Chris Jones, to better understand this. Why does personal carbon accounting matter? Can individual actions actually make a difference for the global climate? And should the burden of mitigating climate change fall on individuals at all? So when I first came to Berkeley, I got freaked out about climate change. I hadn't uh, learned a lot about climate change in my other work, which is more on human rights. And the first thing I asked myself is, what's my own impact on the planet? Now I figured I could go out and and find a calculator, and uh, it turned out they, they didn't exist back then. This was back in 2002. And so uh, for my master's project at ERG, my first project, my project ended up being uh, creating the first carbon footprint calculator that looked at all household consumption. So food, goods, services, home construction, as well as transportation, energy, 
Um, you know, really wanted to know the whole thing. Gotcha. What was it that freaked you out? Do you remember? Well, it's just the the scale of this climate crisis and how short a time we have to solve it. I, I never really expected to experience climate change in my lifetime. And here we are 15 years later, and I feel like, you know, it, it's here. I mean, we're starting to experience it much faster than than we ever anticipated, certainly than I anticipated. And uh, so I'm even more freaked out about it now. Totally. We're trying to freak our listeners out. So. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what exactly goes into the calculator? So the smart part of our tool is its uh, benchmarking capacity. And that you mentioned, you know, you compare yourself to a similar household of the same size, same income level in the same city or even zip code. Uh, and so we draw on everything that we can we know about those locations to come up with these estimates. So demographic information, population density, energy prices, um, the size and structure of the homes, how many vehicles they own, everything that we can find out about those locations, we use that to develop econometric models or statistical models of household consumption and then estimate and multiply that by uh, emission factors of greenhouse gases. So that smart benchmarking is, is really important to give you that comparison, but also to help you populate the tool in a way that is kind of, if you don't know the answer, it'll give you a smart uh, estimate. So Chris made this tool while he was a PhD at Berkeley's Energy and Resources Group because he wanted to understand his own role in creating the climate crisis that scientists and environmentalists were talking about long before he started his doctorate. He was filling a knowledge gap that no one had really attempted to address before. After finishing his tool, here's the gist of what he found. The four biggest areas of emissions are cars, coal, cows, and consumption. Okay? <laughs> in, kind of in that order. So, um, so you know, if you don't if you don't have a car and your electricity is not powered by coal, which it isn't here, then you've got to think about your 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 the cows and the consumption, right? So, so um, you know how you spend your money matters. So think about your diet; that's going to have huge health benefits. And then, you know, how am I spending my money? Am I spending it on entertainment and services? Um, well, good. Um, you know, if I am I buying a lot of stuff, probably you aren't anyway. If you're a student. Um, but so spend it on services and information and, and reduce meat consumption. Let's break that down a little bit. Cars. I don't drive one, but for those who do, transportation is obviously going to be a big part of your footprint. Some of the recommendations given by the Cool Climate Calculator to alleviate fuel consumption range from exploring public transit options to buying an electric vehicle to moving closer to your place of work or study. So you don't need to travel so much. Coal. As Chris noted, here in California, almost none of our electricity comes from coal, and very little comes from gas, which means that our grid is actually really clean. In a follow-up conversation after our interview, Chris told me that electricity only accounts for 5% of total carbon emissions in California, 2% in the Bay Area, and 1% here in the East Bay. It doesn't mean we should be leaving our lights on left and right, but it does mean that we can't really impact our footprints here by trying to curtail our electricity use. This is a key benefit of the Cool Climate Calculator. It directs us to behaviors that will help us make the biggest impact on our footprint. Cows and consumption. This is where things get a little more interesting for personal carbon accounting. These are the categories where we have the most agency, our diets and our money. The Cool Climate Calculator told me I emit 16 tons of carbon per year, which was 3% better than other individuals at my income level who live in Berkeley, California. Of those 16 tons, a pretty massive chunk was attributed to flights, because my family is on the East Coast. 
A slightly smaller chunk was attributed to energy use, because I live in a large, pretty poorly insulated group house, and nearly two tons were from food. I already don't eat a lot of meat or dairy, so what does a low-carbon grocery cart actually have in it? Well, there's not much in it, (laughs) first of all. Um, You know, people eat, uh, on average, in the United States, about 25% more calories than they need, and... Uh, we waste about 25% of the food that we actually buy. So thinking about um, purchasing only what you really need and, uh, you know, purchasing less than, than, than you probably are consuming in the first place. I know I can cut out a few things of my diet for sure, some frivolous stuff. Um, those would be the, the first strategies. And then you want to start thinking about, you know, reducing uh, meat and dairy consumption because those have contributed a lot of greenhouse gases in the, in the form of methane. Uh, and then from there, you can start thinking about buying local, organic, and you know other um, uh, solutions that have many other benefits, not necessarily greenhouse gas benefits. There's a lot of reasons to buy local and organic that are not just greenhouse gas related. So that's food. Reduce meat and dairy and waste as little as possible. But looking at my footprint report, there's also this big chunk, nearly three tons of CO2 total, allocated to emissions from my spending on quote-unquote goods and services. Maybe we should consider that the simple act of spending money increases your carbon footprint, no matter what you're spending it on. Well, really, it's hard to avoid it. Every dollar on average is a kilogram of CO2, on average. Um, But food is more, and energy and transportation are even much more. Uh, And so, however, uh, consumption, uh, consumption of services and information has far less uh, emissions associated with it. So it's like, you know, 200 grams of CO2 as opposed to, you know, 1,000 grams of CO2, um, which would be on average. So yeah, every dollar you spend is about 150 gallons worth of CO2. Wow, that's crazy. But if so, I think somebody going through the kind of cool climate calculator might be confused because you ask about like entertainment and services that like my Netflix subscription has a kind of carbon impact. Right. Is that, what is that from? Well, data servers and all the the computers. And um, we we even look at, um, you know, if they, the office paper that the Netflix employees purchase and then take that office paper company and they are purchasing, you know, food for their employees, and it's just like an infinite supply chain. So um, it's really you have to look at the whole economy. That holistic perspective is crucial to really absorbing the magnitude of your footprint. The cool climate calculator doesn't just take into account the stuff you buy. It also takes into account the emissions from the factories where that stuff was made, the fuel from the truck that it was delivered in, the lights in the store you bought it in, and the plastic bag you took it home in. Ultimately, Chris studies personal carbon emissions because he believes they're an accessible way to get people to begin thinking about the climate, but not the end of the story. In California, we have an ambitious statewide goal of reducing carbon emissions to 40% below 1990 levels by 2030, and then 80% below 1990 levels by 2050. It's a 5% per year economy-wide reductions. So the only time we've ever achieved 5% per year greenhouse gas reductions is during the Great Recession. 
So we need the equivalent impact of a Great Recession. Right. Hopefully without a Great Recession. Right. Every year <laughs> compounded upon itself for 30 years. Wow. Like that's the, the scale of the emission reduction that we need in order to meet our climate targets. And with every reduction, it gets harder and harder because like once you've cut out the easy stuff, which I would probably right. argue California has already done. Yeah. Yeah, um, it's, it's like pushing down on a spring. So it's kind of easy at first and the far, far, farther and further, further you get go, the harder and harder it gets. And so – yeah, it's this is a, a huge challenge. This is why um, students need to think about way beyond their personal carbon footprint. You need to be thinking about what you can do to impact this planet, to mobilize people, to use your career in ways that are going to be effective. There's this huge um, uh, potential right now for data science students, for example, to use their skills or learn the skills uh, and to put those to good use, providing good information and good policy tools and make those available uh, to change behavior at all scales, individual, organizational, community, city scales, state level scales, uh, you know, national and planetary scales. And so really think about, you know, how you can make an impact on the world. Chris is optimistic that taking individual actions to reduce personal carbon footprints can have positive spillover effects with huge impacts. Just knowing your carbon footprint means that you're a part of the conversation. And it might make you more inclined to take the collective action that pushes for progressive climate policy. The biggest barrier preventing people is their own belief in their ability to create change to solve the problem. So they know that just reducing my carbon footprint is not going to solve this problem. So we need to do it together. It has to be a collective, um, you know, activity. Uh, we found that uh, we can empower people that their solutions do make a difference if you do it like at the entire university level or in your entire workplace or at your co-housing because that's a problem that you can solve. You can make your campus, you know, lower carbon and even carbon neutral. You can do that with your your community. So really working to- together, making programs that are simple, fun and social as the way we design programs like the Cool Campus Challenge. This is an opportunity that all University of California students, staff, and faculty are going to have a chance to do this coming April. Uh, in 2015, we engaged 20,000 staff, students, and faculty across all 10 campuses, and on average, they took six actions. So we had something like 120, 130,000 actions that people took. They wrote a little story about what they did, so they're sharing what they're doing. And then uh, they're collectively, you know, joining teams and helping their campus, uh, you know, reduce emissions collectively. And that's empowering. What was the impact in 2015? Uh, We reduced uh, just new actions that people pledged to take and continued to take through that year. And Mm -hmm. we discounting for the uh, people who who probably wouldn't follow through. (laughs) We uh, saved the University of California system a million dollars per year in energy costs. Wow. That's with an investment of $100,000. That's unbelievable. So this, the, the behavior benefits are really, really powerful if you're smart about uh, how you go about doing it. My conversation with Chris convinced me that personal carbon accounting is a constructive exercise, so long as it inspires direct and collective action. And it is in that spirit that the podcast team undertook an ambitious challenge. We're calling it the Live Your Values Challenge. If we care about climate change and support the progressive policies that protect our environment, our lifestyle should probably reflect those values. For two weeks, Sarah, Reem, and I made some substantial changes in our lives, all with the goal of shrinking our carbon footprints. To establish our baseline, Reem guided Sarah and me through the calculator. 
All right, let's start filling let's out your quiz. Yeah. So we're on a cool climate network, or sorry, coolclimate.berkeley.edu, and we're going to see what uh, Spencer's carbon footprint is. How'd you find this again? This was a this was a part of a problem set that I did last semester. Ooh, okay. Um, it is a former Berkeley PhD who made this tool um, to help s- individuals figure out exactly how much carbon you're putting out into the atmosphere every year. All right, I'm ready. All right. For context, we all live in different types of spaces. Reem lives in a group house with some roommates in Berkeley. Sarah shares an apartment in Oakland with her partner Johan and their dog Kiwi. And I live in International House on Berkeley's campus, and it's dorm-style housing. To start, we all logged our modes of transportation. All right, so you live in Oakland? Yes. How do you get around, Sarah? So this was a tricky one. Um, I'm always like, oh, yeah, you know, I don't have a car, so like my carbon footprint must be so low. And then I think about the fact that Johan has a car and he drives us to get groceries and to go hiking and when we take road trips. So I took a lot of this as like, okay, yeah, like I quote unquote have a car, um, I guess we'll say. Um, So how many miles a year do you think you are traveling? So I did a lot of a lot of math and a lot of estimating. (laughs) Um, I think around the like. 6,000, maybe? Okay. Not not too much. All right. So trips to Whole Foods, driving to Tahoe. I don't have a Whole Foods money. <laughs> <laughs> sprouts. Let's Just be real. Sprouts. <laughs> Just a Berkeley Bowl. Um, do you know your mileage per gallon? Yes. So it's it's a hybrid. Um, so it's 42 oh, wow. city, 38 um, highway. So I don't know where we want to. You just, said 42 city, 38 highway? Yeah, I don't know if we Let's want to just do the it. average of 40. Sounds good. Great. What about your public transit? So I mostly – I take the bus to campus. Um, I sometimes take BART home, but I mostly try and take the bus round trip. Yeah. It's free for Berkeley students. Yeah. It's well, perfect. I mean, well, it's wrapped into our tuition for Berkeley students. Yes. <laughs> it is money I have already spent. <laughs> um, so – like overestimating, I think around 6,000 okay. miles a year. Um, what about the BART, which we are counting as transit rail? Yeah. So BART, I figured around 800 miles a year. Um, some of my friends live over in the city. Sometimes I have to go to the city for errands or whatever. Um, what about air travel? So I went into this thinking like, oh, I don't fly very much. And then I definitely realized like I fly a medium amount. Yeah. Um, so I think one short trip a year. Okay. And maybe one, like, medium trip a year. Okay. And those are both round trips, so it'll be two flights per Yes. Per thing. Let's talk about your vehicles. How do you get around? I get around um, multiple different ways. How does this work? Do I? Is this just via... So oh, I see. you have a gasoline... I have a, a car. How many I, miles a year would you say you travel? In my current, like, student life, yeah. I estimated 1,800 miles a year. Very few. Okay. It's mostly trips to my family lives near Sacramento. It's mostly a trip there and back, um, couple with a couple, a, a couple times. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Um, do you know your mileage? My mileage is twenty-two miles per gallon. Great. Um, Unfortunately, you also have a scooter, though. I do have a scooter. Okay, and that also runs on gasoline. Runs on gasoline, premium. <laughs> <laughs> Only the finest for Spencer's scooter. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um. And that gets 115 miles per gallon. Whoa, what? <laughs> yeah. Are you serious? I am serious. Wow. So the tank is only a gallon. And I fill up, you know, depending on how much I use. I used my change to fill up. So I like 
That's I'm like, crazy. I have 275, please. And I just. Wow. So. Okay. Now, so that's your personal vehicles. Mm-hmm. Um, public transit. Yes. Do you use the Berkeley buses? Do I do use the buses. I have a rough estimate of 500 miles per year okay. on AC transit. Um, transit rail would be BART. Exactly. I'm estimating that at 600. Okay. Roughly 50 miles a month was my ballpark. Um, that's like my idea. There was two trips to the city plus some change per right, month. Right. Yeah. So I, that's I think that's I about right. As well. Um, and then I don't, uh, I used to commute via Amtrak, but not anymore. Okay. So I don't think I have either one of those. Yeah. Um, air travel. Yeah. So in the past year I had one long trip to Chicago. Then we dug into our energy bills. All right. So your electricity bill, how much would you say you spend per year or per month? Or you can give me the kilowatt hours. Uh, don't have that for you, but I added up how much it's costing me per year okay. um and it's 900 total so i don't know if we wanted to divide that by two and say it's 450 oh. for my portion of it yes um do you buy um energy from pg e from pg e do you are you signed up for their like clean energy program you can say like oh i want my power to come from solar panels which isn't like necessarily true but i honestly don't know i was trying to look and see if i could find it okay i have no idea so probably not I revealed some shocking information about my diet. Okay, now on to um, food. Um, poultry and eggs. Uh, well above average. <laughs> what do you, can you elaborate? I eat so many eggs. Oh, God. How my many? breakfast is, he- I, like, I'm going to die of cholesterol related. Um, so that I don't know what like, that translates to. Like Let's, say double. Let's say double. Um, so well, du- it's like I'm presented with, I'm like, well, like. I care about my body. <laughs> am I going to have like six pancakes or am I going to have some eggs? You know, usually well, I go. It seems eggs. like you're having more than some eggs. <laughs> some eggs, a little toast. And then we tried to figure out how Sarah's dog Kiwi factors into her footprint. Is there a spot to account for pets? No, actually, that's an interesting thing that's missing from from the calculator. What do you think Kiwi's footprint looks like? Like not small. She is. Both of you have met her. She is a pretty big German Shepherd. Mm-hmm. Um. She eats a lot of food. Yeah. You know, but she also brings a lot of joy. So, you know, (laughs) net positive. Sure. At the end of a pretty detailed questionnaire, we received our results. So we have your results, Spencer. Wow. Okay. I'm excited. Um, According to the cold climate calculators, you emit 14 tons of CO2 equivalent per year. Holy moly. Which is 38% better than average. So that's pretty good. Really? Yeah. I think this compares you to other people in Berkeley, so you're doing pretty well. Wow, that just seems high, though. Okay. Are you ready for your results? Yeah. Whoa, what? Okay, so you're at 12 tons of CO2 per year. Oh, hey. <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't know. I really don't know. I don't Probably know. Because my driving is so low. I'm questioning this tool. <laughs> oh, no. You're 50% better than the average. Oaklandite. Oaklander. 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 Sorry. Um, yeah. I I don't, how did that happen? I'm so proud of myself. That's really confusing. So to recap, Reem's footprint is 16 tons per year. Mine is 14 and Sarah's is a lean 12, all well above the global average of about six tons per capita. After reviewing our results and taking a look at the recommendations from the calculator, we each decided on the rules we would live by for the next two weeks. Sarah pledged to eat a vegetarian diet, take only the stairs rather than elevators, avoid using electric-powered machines at the gym like the treadmill, 
and extend the battery life of her phone and laptop. I also went veggie, tried to unplug my electronics to avoid what's called vampire power use, and limited myself to five-minute showers to reduce my water consumption. Reem's challenge was going vegan for two weeks, taking five-minute showers, unplugging her electronics, taking the stairs, and reducing her consumption of processed and packaged foods. Hey, this is Spencer from Talk Policy to Me with a really cool upcoming event about homeland security. On Tuesday, April 2nd, you can join UC President former U.S. Secretary of Homeland Security and former Governor of Arizona, Janet Napolitano, for a lunchtime talk at the Goldman School on what we should do differently to get Homeland Security on track in a new era. President Napolitano will discuss climate change, cybersecurity, natural disasters, immigration policy, and more. Reach out to us on social media at Goldman School to learn more or to register. See you there. Before I leave, I want to unplug um, all of my electronics that I can, at least in my own bedroom. Um, and then I'll head over and catch the bus. So I'm taking the stairs at the office, which didn't know where they were. <laughs> um, so I had to get our supervisor to come show me where they are and how to get into them. Uh, it's four flights of stairs. And, yeah, here we are. I'm doing it. All right, so I just got home from the grocery store. Um, I think I did pretty well. My boyfriend's out of town still, so I went to the closer grocery store. Usually we'll drive over to the Sprouts. Um, I just walked up to this Korean market near me. Um, I think I, I remembered my reusable bag, and everything I got was, like, no packaging, except for the coffee, because I'm just not going to cave on that one. Um, and I tried to get things specifically that would be in season. So I got some kale. Um, I got some leeks, which I haven't cooked with in a while, so I'm excited about that. I got an onion, um, and I got coffee. And I got some pears. I usually eat bananas and like some kind of a protein bar in, a mor in the morning. So instead, I'm going to try and use pears, because I figure more likely that they're local and they're in season. So smaller carbon footprint on those. Um, and I'm going to try and do nuts instead of a protein bar, but I have a good amount of bulk nuts here. Um, I'm definitely going to end up needing to shop more this week, but I figured this was a pretty good start. I'll make some lunches with like quinoa and beans, um, which like have some packaging, but at least it's uh, no meat products in them. And we'll go from there. So now we are, this is Thursday and we started on Monday, so we're four days into the challenge. Yep. How's everyone doing? Emotionally, physically. Yeah. Spiritually. All three. Start with spiritually. I'm doing well. Um, gosh, what do I, I am finding, okay, so my, how should I start this? I'm basically, my endeavor is to walk and bike everywhere. Okay. And eat vegetarian 
and unplug stuff, basically. Um, the unplugging and like responsible use of power strips and like charging it better times has been surprisingly easy. And I'm loving that. It's great. Um, I intend to keep doing that after this. Like, it just makes a lot of sense. It's part of my routine now. I have mostly held true to the vegetarian thing, except for two slips. Sarah caught me <laughs> in class <laughs> eating a turkey sandwich. <laughs> I was like, Spencer, is that like a fake turkey? Like no. <laughs> no, it was Monday. Mondays, I'm here from eight till seven. And I just wasn't going to make it without a little, a little something, something. That's okay. And then on Tuesday, I, um, I had sushi, so I. Had <laughs> but that was like a long planned sushi outing okay. that happened to fall. Yeah. During Don't our live our values weeks, so um, yeah, I'm feeling great. What about y'all? Um, what well, what was your carbon footprint going into it? Do you remember your number? Hi. <laughs> Do you remember it? I think it was 14. Somewhere around there. Yeah. Yeah. Low teens. Because I think Sarah's was 13 something and mine was higher. Right. By a yeah, little bit. That was surprising. Okay, Sarah, what yeah. were your rules? Um, well, mine were like maybe a little more squishy than precise. Um, one of my big rules was to not take the elevator because I feel like that's an unnecessary waste. Like it's very easy to take the elevator, but if I can take the stairs and I'm using energy for basically no good reason. Um, I was gonna try and be basically vegetarian, um, but not working very well for me. Um, I have like some weird like food things and apparently just replacing meat with beans just like makes my stomach hurt. So I'm, I'm a pass <laughs> <laughs> on that one <laughs> um, for the rest of the time. I'm still trying to eat less meat, but I, I think I can't draw a hard line, which is interesting. I didn't really expect that. Um, and as a former vegetarian, I'm very anti-tofu. Like, I think tofu can be delicious, but I think as, like, a replacing all of your meats with tofu, it seems, like, just really – it's, like, very produced. So I've always wondered about the efficiency of that. I'm basically doing that currently. I was going to say I just got really scared because I'm trying to be vegan this week and – I have replaced everything with tofu. There's tofu a lot of coursing tofu. through my veins right now. <laughs> Which is basically estrogen. <laughs> I am 80% tofu. <laughs> so I'm concerned. <laughs> Reem, how is going vegan? Are you successfully going vegan? I am successfully going vegan, wow. except yesterday I realized that the I realized that the hot chocolate that I had been having was not vegan. Was there a milk product in there somewhere? There is, yeah, there is milk product. Um, my other rules, other than being vegan, which I actually had experience in, I did it for a summer um, oh. just to see what it was all about, and it was fine um, because my two favorite foods, Oreo and guacamole, are vegan. Oreos and guacamole. S sorry, are vegan. <laughs> your two favorite foods are what? <laughs> Oreos and guacamole together or not separate? together? Oh, okay. Oh, okay. One for breakfast and one for dinner. So I'm vegan. I am also trying to do the stairs thing. So our butts look amazing. I'm also doing the unplugging stuff. That's actually been hard for me to remember. Oh, really? Yeah. How so? Like, um, like as you're going out the door, kind of, or like, yeah, I'll like, be like past my door. I'm already okay. like halfway to school, and I'm like, oh, darn oh. it, my charger. The benefit of up. having like my 100 square feet of space is almost <laughs> yeah. everything is on the same power strip. 
Okay. So I so can just, just turn it off. Pop it on and off. Yeah. And that was one great. of the recommendations that we got from the cool climate calculator was get a powder strip. Yeah. So I had that, but I wasn't, you know, doing it effectively and I was charging stuff overnight. So I'm getting it all charged before then, turning off the power strip at night and when I leave. It's been great. Right. Yeah, yeah. that's good. That's something I was going to do. Um but it's honestly just not happened. I feel like you have like a smart home too. Like everything is yeah, like not Wired. because I'm smart. <laughs> you are very smart, but I know what you're saying. <laughs> um, my boyfriend has like smart homed our home. Um, mm. So there's a lot of things that are wired. I think it would be very easy to do it via the power strip. But honestly, I've just forgotten that I said I was going to do that. <laughs> so goals for next okay. week. <laughs> Pitfalls. Pitfalls are simple brains. Yeah. Um, Roses also, and let us remind ourselves that you don't turn on the heat in your house. And it's been totally freezing this week. Yeah, I mean, I still wouldn't have turned on the heat because it costs way more. Like, it's just, it's it's a lot. Um, there's just a lot of cubic feet in my apartment because the ceilings are so tall. So I just haven't, we don't ever. Um, but there has been more electric blanket use. But I wasn't going to not do that. Have you all been not turning on your heaters in this week still? No, I've turned my heat on extra. It's so, so cold in my home. Yeah. Which is poorly insulated. Right. Yeah. I'll die. I, too, never use the heat. Are you able to control it? Yeah. We we have a heater in our room. But there's no central heating. I think there is central heating, but it doesn't – it's like shared spaces. Gotcha. It's not – yeah. It's a pretty antiquated building. It was built in like 1930, I think, so – it's like a radiator heater by my window that I could turn on, but I haven't this whole time. Um, I've also been doing five-minute showers, which has been Same. less challenging than I thought. Oh, so easy. Yeah. yeah. Tell me about your shower experience. <laughs> Walk me through it. Um, what, it's good. What I, techniques are you using in order to achieve this goal? Well, normally I would like try to accomplish a lot of things in the shower. Like I'll try and sometimes brush my teeth. Same. Um, I'll cop. Sometimes I'll like wash my face in the shower, but now I'm just like I'm scrubbing my body and I'm getting in and out. And I am a fairly small person, so like the square footage is low. So I think that I have an advantage maybe over Spencer. We're the same height. I don't know. <laughs> That's true. Uh, yeah, as I mentioned last time, there are these nifty little timers on the lights in uh, in my glorified dorm. So I set it to five every time, and I've been I've been in and out of there before it turns out on me. So That's awesome. That's keeps, great. Yeah. Sarah, you almost got on a treadmill, but then you got better of it. Is this is this correct? Um, yeah, our text thread from this week has been a lot. <laughs> and put um, it in energy, you know, terms. Yeah. So true stories. Um, I did use the treadmill once on – I must have used it on Tuesday and then Wednesday. I was like, oh, my God, I used the treadmill yesterday. I wasn't going to do that. But then because I did remember, I used the rowing machine, which I figure – is self-powered, and so I don't nice. feel bad about that. Yeah, nice. Um, okay, so you've done. We've mostly confessed our sins, but I oh, want to no, do I like a, a formal enter the confession booth. Sarah, what have you done this week? Like, I felt terrible about this one. Um, one of my things was to not use disposable mugs because I feel like that should be like the freaking easiest thing in the world, right? Um, I try not to do a lot of afternoon coffees just in general in life because. Anxiety and coffee are like, oh, um, but today I just completely forgot and went and got myself a snack and got myself a coffee and left and was like, no, mm-hmm. um, 
How was the coffee? It was good. Strata? Uh, no, uh, I house. I house. Oh, okay. Good choice. But we're only on day four, Sarah. Did it taste like betrayal? <laughs> Harsh. <laughs> tasted like carbon. <laughs> it tasted like global warming. <laughs> it tasted like <laughs> tasted like coral reef dying. It tasted like caffeination, which tastes mm. like happiness, which mm. tastes like productivity, which tastes like solving problems in other ways. Mic drop. Well done. <laughs> um, Spencer, hit us with your confessions. Already, I mean, I confess to my my slip ups on the meat thing. Um, I may have, I think, so there's like this, in the mornings, there's kind of this like peppers and sausage thing they put out. Because I, again, I eat in a cafeteria and I might have gotten a couple pieces of sausage there, but that was not my intent. I don't feel bad about that. It's just kind of like a logistical scooping situation. It's like, oh no, now I have some sausage. Um, but I've been mostly a lentil and tofu guy um, in the mornings. A lot of oatmeal. Heavy on the oatmeal. <laughs> vats of oatmeal um no i i actually have a really exciting i don't know if this is the time you might might have a question but i discovered that there is a public um bike pump and like bike tuning station at soda hall right down here um in the little like courtyard and i was going to go to a bike shop but um i discovered it kind of on my way and since i've been riding my bike so much i kind of realized like my back tire needs some air and it's super cool. It like worked really well and um it's a great resource and it's across the street from the Goldman School, so we're so conveniently located. Yes. So south well, campus. <laughs> some would disagree. <laughs> Since we're on top of Mountain Doom. But oh, true. besides that, yeah, we're central. <laughs> so wait, have Mordor. you been biking to campus? I've been walking mostly. Um Tuesday night I went to my sushi. Where I ate fish. Was it a date? It wasn't a date. It was a friend date with three friends. So it would have been an awkward date if it was me. (laughs) Anywho, uh, (laughs) so I biked over to the uh, the Rockridge area in college, um, and then I biked down. After that, I met up with um, old colleagues from work at Raleigh's. Biked down there, so that was a nice little example of a really easy and just like reminding myself how bikeable Berkeley is. How if you know, you know which streets have the good bike lanes and you have your proper lighting and stuff it's uh it's pretty easy so i hope to continue this habit even more so even after this um this thing because to you know to rep my hometown of davis california home of the nation's first bike lane um i I really should ride my bike more it's too easy that's awesome yeah oh the other challenge i wanted to bring up was i know that you were trying to do this at the beginning sarah but um i wanted to try and eat less processed and packaged foods and that is really hard, especially when you're vegan, <laughs> because then you've like really cut like like soy riso from Trader Joe's out because that's in a package. And also a lot of Trader Joe's produce is in a package for no real reason. Like literally all of Trader Joe's things in packages for no reasons. I love me a Trader Joe's thing. <laughs> but like why why don't they have anything in bulk? I had a protein bar during class today and it's packaged individually. But what can you do? You know, <laughs> you've got to be hungry. Gains. Yeah. It's not about gain. It's like, <laughs> it's like, just, you know, it's 1030 and it's the bewitching hour. It's like, whoo, hunger hits. Yeah, that's real. But I agree. It's been hard to avoid those. It kind of pervades like everything around us. And I think some of it is like comes down to planning. I think we're all very busy grad students um, that like, yeah, in an ideal world, I would only ever like go to places with bulk things with my 
own mason jar and like get all my nuts and like bulk snacks oh but God, own almond butter. <laughs> yeah but like that's just not not reasonable and also like not how my week went like i expected to go to sprouts and like get a bunch of bulk stuff and then just like didn't fit into my week and so yeah i ate all the nuts that i had in my house and then ate cliff bars <laughs> and like it's not ideal but like i have some kind of a protein-based item every morning for breakfast and like i'm not gonna not eat reem is there a big confession we haven't heard from you yet or are you pretty much perfect um yeah i think the the latter <laughs> Next well, question. What we already knew. <laughs> um, no, I did. I've like did not succeed at not eating processed food. Yes. So my question, I think for Reem as our leader, and I guess for all of us, is what we're doing this for a second week. Um, what mm. is our plan going into the second week? Like, what's what are we doing different? Is there anything that anyone wants to pick up that they haven't done, or anything of that nature? That's a great question. I think I'm I think I'm going to try and continue with the vegan thing. Um I'm going to keep taking I haven't taken any Ubers this week, which is good. <laughs> I sometimes take Ubers. More of a Lyft guy myself, but it's fine. All right, yeah, well, all right. Ethical Edward over there. <laughs> Ethical Edward says the lesser of two evils is better. <laughs> Different podcast. <laughs> um, I don't know. I wasn't going to add anything. I was going to try and keep on keeping on. What were you thinking? Um, I mean, I think yesterday I came to terms with the fact that I have to adjust the food situation. Um, and so I think, I guess that's mostly just dropping it, but I think I'm going to try, I'm going to try to double down on less things that include waste. So I think I am going to do like a really big bulk shopping and try to not use protein bars. Um, I'm doing pretty well at taking the stairs, so we'll continue to do that. Um, yeah, I think one of the things that I didn't do was the like power strip thing. And so I think a little bit more like home related things I think will be good. Um, and my partner was out of town until Tuesday night. So I think there's some things that kind of felt like would be a good activity to do together. So he doesn't just come home and is like, why is nothing working? (laughs) Um, yeah, I think I'm going to keep on keeping on climate wise. Um, I've been pretty proud of myself with the vegetarian thing. I've never really done this and it's going pretty well, except for a sushi here or there. In part two of this episode, we'll check back in at the end of our Live Your Values Challenge. Sarah, Spencer, and I will discuss what was hard, what was easy, what was surprising, what was expensive, and most importantly, what new low-carbon habits we might stick with. I'll also be speaking with two really exciting guests. Dan Kamen, an awesome professor at the Energy and Resources Group and the Goldman School, a climate advocate, a former science envoy to the State Department during the Obama administration, and one of the other contributors to the making of the Cool Climate Calculator. And Bob Epstein, a current board director at the Goldman School and co-founder of Environmental Entrepreneurs, a coalition of business leaders who advocate for smart climate policy. Stay tuned. Thanks for listening. Talk Policy to Me is a production of UC Berkeley's Goldman School of Public Policy and the Berkeley Institute for the Future of Young Americans. For show notes, visit us at talkpolicytome.org. Music heard on today's episode is by Pat Masidi Miller and Blue Dot Sessions. Talk Policy to Me's executive producers are Bora Lee Reed and Sarah Swanbeck. Michael Key Rose is our engineer. 
I'm Reem Rayef. See you next time. I think you're a big nut person, yeah? I am. I'm a very big nut person. She's a big nut. <laughs> big nut. <laughs> Can a nut eat nuts? <laughs>